Uh, our reading this morning is taken from uh, John chapter 15, and we're reading the first eight verses, so please meet me in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together. Lord, we long to bear much good fruit. And so we pray that you would give to us now the grace to abide in your word and that you would help us and cause every good thing to be found in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I realize this isn't the first Sunday of the year, but this is my first Sunday of the new year with you. And so I have two messages for us today that won't be a part of a series, but I pray will help set the focus of your life for 2023 and beyond as well. This morning we'll be in John chapter 15 verses 1 to 8 and the point as we'll see will be abide in Jesus. And tonight we'll be in John chapter 15 verses 9 to 17 and the point as we'll see will be abide in Jesus love. Now, the Bible has dozens of ways to illustrate God's relationship with us, his people, and they are all wonderful. God is our creator. We are his creatures. God is our king. We are his subjects. God is the builder. We are the building. God is our shepherd and we are his sheep. God is our father and we are his children. Christ is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. Christ is the head, we are the body. But as Jesus delivers the last 
of the seven I am sayings in the gospel of John. He says in John chapter 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that as branches are to be fixed in, rooted in, established in the vine for them to live, Christians are to be fixed in, rooted in, established in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ if they are to live. Now why this or why these messages today? Because the Christian life can be more wonderful than any of us think. That's why. Many Christians, perhaps some of us today, have too low a view of the Christian life in the here and now. We, we look back to the cross and we see our sins forgiven there and we say thanks be to God as we should. We, we look forward to heaven and we say my place in heaven is secure. Thanks be to God and we should. But in the here and now, the Christian life is sometimes reduced to avoiding sin. Setting a good example in our schools or at our workplaces. Providing for our families. Contributing to the overall good of the church, of the towns that we live in. And those things are good Things, But when that's all the Christian life is, we will drift in time. We will meander. We will snooze through our Christian lives. And so I'm here to tell you today, both this morning and this evening, that there is more. That there is more available to us. Now listen, if you are meandering, if you are drifting, if you are hitting the snooze button on your Christian life right now. Can I please say right from the outset of this message, I'm not here to bully you today. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to beat you up from the pulpit at all. I am going to say some rough things because Jesus has some hard things to say in John chapter 15, but I am here to inform you. And if God wills, I am here to launch you into all that is yours In Jesus Christ. I want to propel you today into a life of abiding in Jesus, the way a branch abides in a vine. I told this story some months ago at a a prayer meeting, so I really hope you've all forgotten it by now. But um, a friend of mine moved from the US to the UK to to reach the, the UK with the gospel. And on Saturday mornings, he, he would take his girls out of the house so that his wife could be with Jesus. And so one Saturday morning, they, they went to McDonald's and he got the food from the counter. He came to sit back down and there was this woman sat with his girls. And she looked at him and she said, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And he didn't know what she was referring to, so he just introduced himself to her. And then she said it again, I, I'm so sorry. And he just said, well, what are you sorry about? And she said, well, you, your daughter has just told me here that your wife went to be with Jesus this morning. <laughs> but think about it. For that woman, chances are going to be with Jesus meant only dying. 
in John chapter 15, going to be with Jesus means living. It means living. And friends, we need more of that life in us today. And so we're going to see first the the warning to those who don't abide, and number two, the promise to those who do abide. The warning to those who don't abide. Look with me, friends, at verse 1 of John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then just drop your eye down to verse 6. Verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So according to Jesus, what awaits those who don't abide in him? What awaits those who don't experience a habitual relationship with him? Destruction. Destruction. He says the Father takes them away. They wither, they're gathered, they're thrown into the fire, and they are burned. And the fire that Jesus refers to here is clearly a reference to the final judgment. He says in Mark chapter 9, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with, uh, with, with two, one foot to be, than to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched for everyone will be salted with fire. And Jesus says that is what awaits those who don't have an ongoing, life-giving relationship with him. Now, friends, at this point, someone will say, here is all the proof we need that Christians can lose their salvation because it really does sound like Jesus is saying there are two kinds of Christians, those who bear fruit and those who don't bear fruit. And the Christians who don't bear fruit are taken away and burned. And the reason it sounds like that is because Jesus says in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit is taken away. And so very briefly, I want to give you my understanding of what Jesus is saying here. And you will have to be the judge of what I'm saying, whether it's true or false. I believe that the, the branches that don't abide in the vine, the branches that are destroyed in the end, are those who only have a merely outward association with Jesus, a visible association with him alone. Those who look like they're united to Jesus, but whose attachment to Jesus is fixed more by PVA glue than it is by saving faith. There's no real, organic, vital attachment to him at all. Now, why do I say that? Well, listen to these words from John chapter 8. 
if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And listen to these words from John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Jesus says, my sheep will never perish. They will never be taken away. They will never wither. They will never be gathered. They will never be burned. But better than proof text is the context of John chapter 15. Because who has just detached himself from the facade of his relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, Judas has. And Judas looked like a disciple. He sounded like a disciple. But this is how Jesus prayed about the 12 in his high priestly prayer. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But friends, since Jesus is saying, those who have only a visible association with me will be destroyed in the end, here is a call to repent of presumption. This is a call to get real with Jesus Christ. To repent of the presumption that says, because I'm in this room, I must be in the kingdom. That because I'm a church member, I must be a kingdom member. And that because I know truth about God, I must know God. And because I know about the gospel, I must have believed the gospel. Friend, demons attend this room from time to time. But they're not in the kingdom. Satan knows the gospel, but he hasn't received it for himself. And the devil knows truth about God. He's an excellent theologian, but he doesn't know God in a personally saving way. And if you know that I'm speaking to you, let me ask you, why would you settle for appearance over the reality? Why settle for the appearance of godliness, but then deny its power? And and let me also encourage you by saying this, since you haven't yet been destroyed, it is not too late for you. You haven't yet been gathered. You haven't yet been thrown into the fire and therefore it is not too late for you to turn, not too late for you to repent, not too late to find your way into Jesus Christ, to reject the fake in order to embrace the real. Can I also say this to you as well? Getting real with Jesus is not a call to a lesser life. It is a call to an abundant life. Withering is not, a better, is not better than abiding. Being taken from Jesus is not better than abiding in Jesus. And being burned in hell is not better than being beautified in heaven. And getting real with Jesus may well involve a death of sorts. But Jesus says to you today, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And as we'll see under the next heading, that death is well worth it. It is well worth it. You know, years ago, I was preaching through the book of 1 John. And there was a 
university student that heard this sermon series from the beginning to the end, this book of the Bible that is full of these tests of saving faith. And he asked to meet with me one day and he looked at me across the table and he said, Hugh, listen, if what you're saying on a Thursday night is true, I am not a Christian. My my language is just like everyone else's language at my university. I love what they love. I do what they do. And to be perfectly honest with you, Hugh, everyone would be shocked if they even knew that I attend a church. And I think he expected me to say, but brother, you, you prayed a prayer when you were seven at the end of Holiday Bible Club. Remember, you, you wrote it down. in your So you must be a Christian, but, but I didn't say that. And it was a traumatic time for him. But you know, in the end, he went home from one of those meetings. He closed the door to his room. He got down on his knees and he got right with God through Jesus Christ. And I had the joy of baptizing him And if he were here today, he would happily tell you, before I was withering, now I'm abiding. Before I looked the part, now I'm a part of the vine. And I'm truly in Christ. And friend, I just want to say to you, whatever your background is, whoever you are, whether you have a church background or not, totally irrelevant. If you will abide in Jesus Christ, then the life that he found will be the life that you experience. Well, second, I want us to see the promise to those who do abide. Look at verse two again. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then drop your eye down to verse 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What is the promise to those who do abide in Jesus? Much fruit. That's the promise. It is a a fruit that is cultivated by pruning, fruit that is fostered by prayer, and fruit that is unto the praise and glory of God. And we're going to look at each of those three components in a little bit. But before we do, let me ask the question, what is the fruit that Jesus is referring to? And here is my answer to that question. Everything in the Christian life that you can't do by yourself That's the fruit that he's referring to. Every thought, every word, every deed, every motive that your old, unsaved, unsanctified self could not produce in and of itself. And that might take the form of our praise to God. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of 
lips that gives thanks to his name? Is it fruit that could take the form of sacrificial love? Do you remember Paul collected a financial gift for the believers in Jerusalem? And then speaking of that gift to the church in Rome, he said, therefore, when I have finished this and I have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. It can take the form of a holy life. John the Baptist spoke of fruit in keeping with repentance. And this fruit can take the form of disciples made of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 4, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. And so the point is, Jesus is the source. Jesus is the wellspring. Jesus is the treasure trove of all of those realities. And when we abide in him, all of those realities flow into us. And that fruit, Jesus says, is cultivated by the pruning work of God. Every branch in me that does bear fruit, God the Father, the vine dresser, prunes that it may bear more fruit. Jesus is speaking here about the discipline of God. He's speaking of those times when God begins to cut and hack things out of our lives that, to be honest, we would like to keep in our lives. But he does it so that more fruit would grow in time. I was speaking to someone a few weeks ago who is going through a tremendously hard time in, in her life. And she began to reflect on some of the lessons that she's been learning in this time of pruning. And she said that oftentimes in the Christian life, the more control that you have, the easier you can take things with God. So when you can make things happen in your life, when you're good at your job, when everyone appreciates you in your job, when there's peace in the home, when you can afford whatever it, whatever it is that you need, when you're healthy, it's very easily easy to doze spiritually. All is well. But then when God starts to cut things out of your life, like the peace in, in your home and the love in your family and the prosperity that you used to take for granted and the health that you always just assumed, you begin to throw yourself on Jesus Christ in a way that you'd know nothing of before. And the result is that fruit begins to bloom and flourish and thrive and grow and abound. Because that pruning has a way of producing endurance and endurance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. And so can I say, if you're being pruned at the moment, trust the wisdom of the vine dresser. He knows what he's doing. He's done this before. He knows how to wield the blade. He sees the whole picture that you cannot see. And if you're finding it hard to trust his expertise, then do this. 
look back. Because when you look back across the years and remember all of the countless ways in which God has used trial to strengthen you and deepen you and mature you, you can say to yourself, if he did it back then, he can do it now. And if he knew what he was doing then, he knows what he's doing now. And isn't it true, church, that so often in order to move forward, you have to look back to past mercy? But then Jesus says this fruit is produced in prayer as well. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my word my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know this to be true, don't you? Jesus' words have a double-edged sword that begin to cut and bleed and slice out of our hearts all of the remaining corruption within us. Sometimes I sit down with my Bible in the morning and I just have to put a timer on my phone because I just need to brace myself for what's about to come. I just need a few minutes. It's like I have to put a helmet on just in case it's going to be extra hard. But what happens when he begins to kill the remaining corruption within us? Well, I'll tell you what begins to happen. Our will begins to be conformed to his will. And our mind begins to be conformed to his mind. And our priorities start to begin to conform to his priorities so that our prayers start to sound like his prayers. And when our prayers sound like his prayers, we can ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us because we're praying in his name, in his will, for his glory. And all of that yields glory to God. It's cultivated by pruning produced in prayer and is unto the praise and glory of God. And so as we close, I want to give us four practical ways that you can grow in abiding in Jesus this year and for the rest of your life. And the first is this, test everything that you abide in. Test everything that you abide in. I'm going to talk more about this tonight as we look at the next part of this discourse. But let me just say now, sin has a hardening effect on the soul. It has a blinding effect on the eyes of the heart. And so if we abide, if we happily remain in the very same things that crucified the Son of God and then wake up the next morning hoping to abide in Jesus, we might find ourselves a bit disappointed. Friend, how easily can you abide in sin? However easy you find it will be the same extent to which you find it hard to abide in Jesus. But then next, and more positively, get a plan for abiding in Jesus. Jesus says, in Jesus' word that is, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's where abiding happens. Without the word of Christ, we create a Jesus for ourselves made in our image. But when we're confronted with the real Jesus in the word of God, we surrender to him and we abide 
in the true Christ. And I just want to say our lives are way too busy. The distractions are far too many. And our hearts are far too fickle to do this without being intentional. We have to be intentional. And so let me just say, do not worry that it's the 8th of January. And that if you start a plan today, you won't finish it on the last day of 2023. Just finish it on the 8th of January 2024. That's fine. And if you've never worked your way through a plan, I would be delighted to recommend a number to you. So come up and talk to me after. But next, praise Jesus for whatever strikes you most in his word. You know, on the, on the morning that I, I wrote this manuscript, I read those words that I've quoted in this sermon already. John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. And those words brought me to my knees. And there was wonder and love and praise. Jesus, thank you that your hands are strong enough to keep me. Thank you that your arms are strong enough to bear me up. Thank you, Lord, that you've got that rod and the staff to come and and bring me back in the fold when I'm straying. And thank you, Lord, that you've done that a thousand times in my life and you'll do it a thousand times again. And thank you that you're my shepherd. And thank you that if I were the only Christian in the world, you would still be my shepherd. And thank you that you're my good shepherd. You're not a bad shepherd. You're not a mediocre shepherd. You're not an average shepherd. You're the good shepherd of the sheep. And I've tasted your goodness and I love your goodness and I love you, Lord. Friends, that's where abiding really happens. And then next, be specific in prayer about the fruit that you want to bear in your life. I was so challenged by this recently. I heard a great preacher, Paul Washer, talking about how one day he was sat in church waiting for a service to begin, brand new believer, had no deep theology, and a woman whom he didn't know came up to him, put her hand on his shoulder, looked at him in the eye, and she said to him, general praying results in general blessing. Specific praying results in specific answers that demonstrate the power of God. And I was really challenged by that. And I want to ask you this morning, what fruit are you hoping to bear in your life in 2023? What what would your answer to that question be? What are you hoping to see this year? General blessing, general prayers, your general blessing. Specific praying, your specific blessing. And all of that when we abide in Jesus. So church, what else do we want to be about this year than abiding in Jesus? What else do we want to be about for the rest of our lives but abiding in Jesus? It's all that matters. Abide in him. Amen.